Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Hello, and now we're working. Welcome to season 30, episode uh, 21 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. (laughs) My name is Kimmy. And I'm Bill. Bill is back from the great uh, Northwest. I thought you were going to say back from the grave for a second. No, 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 no. great. (laughs) And then I was like, I guess we're still West, so the North, 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 Pacific Northwest. Yes. So we're very glad that you're back living in Southern California with us again. I got here just in time for the cool weather. This is awesome. Yeah, that's a lie. It's like 104. Today. It was 104 today. Our little air conditioning studio is like, I'm drying. I've been on for three hours. It's really a drying. You know how hot it was today? And this is true. I went to go drive my car and uh, Elspeth and I went to breakfast, came back. I'm like, okay, I'm going to run some errands. And I went out and there's a massive crack in my windshield. Yeah. Because my car got so hot. So hot. It cracked the windshield. I was like, oh. Okay. That's a thing. Welcome, welcome home. Yep. <laughs> welcome back to the desert. That's right. Uh, all right. In today's episode, Erica asks about the strangest place we've ever played an RPG. Uh, Davies uh, shares LARP wisdom about how to keep playgroups happy and healthy using safety tools. And that's kind of a reference to our horror, our LARP horror story from a couple weeks ago. Yes. Um, and Verk talks about how he used Ekema. Uh, to start a campaign, and he's giving away a physical copy, so he, we're doing a contest with him. Yeah! It's very good. Sweet. So, very exciting. Um, and that's a big deal because there aren't really physical copies of Decima available right now, so. Right, exclusive. Yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't gotten one yet, this may be a way to get one. Um, also, that was not my idea. That was something he came up with. Like, I'm just reading his email that he sent in. Um, if you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And thank you to everyone who actually sent in emails last time. We have, like, a good amount. But, you know, we can always use more. Never, never don't send in an email. Never don't send. That's a terrible way to say it. But you know what I mean. Always send emails. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's the second week of school. I'm, I'm hanging in there. Um, all right. Announcements. Uh, this week, we would really love it if you went and subscribed to us on YouTube specifically. Um, we are being making a big push to get our backlog of YouTube contents shared with more people. And one of the ways to do that is to have a bump in subscribers. It's totally free. Like, we're not asking you to do a paid subscription of any type. So if you have a YouTube account or any kind of Google account, I think, works with yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. It's Literally. super easy. If you yeah. happen to use that unknown small little thing called Google. Google. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're hooked in. So if you'll go to youtube.com slash happyjacksrpg, just go and subscribe and maybe check out some of our old content there. There's a ton. There's over 20 different systems. AP's in over 20 different systems, plus a number of years of amazing advice show content. And you can see our beautiful faces. Um, and even if you never plan on watching again, having a whole bunch of subscribers in one month will boost us and hopefully get us seen by more people. And we would really appreciate that. All right. So it's just Bill and I here tonight. So we will do our best. And I feel like we 
between us, we have tons of yeah. good advice. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We can talk a lot. We're in. We, we can. We definitely can. That's right. Uh, all right. Do you want to read the first one? Sure, sure. It's a we one, but it, uh, it it's going to spawn an incredible discussion. Uh, hey, gang. Uh, this is a little discussion topic. What's the strangest place you've ever played an RPG? For me, well, in my original group, there was a guy whose dad was a funeral director. Oh, my gosh. And they lived on the top floor of the funeral home. In the basement was the prep room. We had the great idea for me to run Call of Cthulhu on Halloween night in the basement office just down the hall from the body prep room. Being a bunch of goofy teenagers, that's what we did. Afterwards, the guy revealed a little secret. There was a body waiting to be worked on <gasps> in the prep room. So, Yeah. I ran Call of Cthulhu on Halloween night in the basement of a funeral home about 20 feet from a dead body. Uh, what's yours? Uh, oh, my God, Erica. All right. Thank you for thank you for that. Wow, that is intense. I love that. That is a... Uh, that's hard to top. That <laughs> is. That's a tough one. Um, so, because it's, it's, I don't know, unusual, I think, strangest places. <clears throat> there's, there's been some cool places and some weird places. One, like, first one that jumped to my mind was very early when... Happy Jack started going to our strategic cons. They had it not in the hotel where it is now, but just down the street. And somehow we, on purpose, accidentally, I'm not sure, found our way up to, like, this sky bar that was closed. Yeah, we were assigned that. And we were assigned that. They're like, oh, you guys are doing a podcast and stuff? You should go up here. And it was this massive bar on, like, the Amazing. top floor of the hotel. Yeah, amazing that wasn't being used for some reason. So we set up in there and we had the big long table and we ran games up there and like that became our hangout. Yeah, we all just hang, like we did games up there. We also did some like wow raids up there because a couple of us were in a World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft guild together at the time. So like we logged into the Wi-Fi on our laptops and we're raiding and then gaming and then just like hanging out. I think some of us like fell asleep and maybe I don't know if they spent the whole night there. No, but... there was there was there was sleeping there. There was like yeah. it was crazy. And I think I think too one of the things that was nuts about it is because we were streaming and they were like, oh, uh, we're going to put you up there because it has its own Wi-Fi. Yeah. Right. So we had like we weren't on the big massive everybody and their uncle jumping. That on. was way before we were streaming though. That was back when I think Stu was recording. I don't think it was live. Oh, maybe not. Maybe but that there was, was a long time there ago. There was some reason they put us up there, and the bar had its own Wi-Fi hookup. Yeah, it was just like nuts. We're like, this is the best. We got to do cons all the all time. All the time, and we did. And then we yeah. didn't get that room ever again. Yeah, and then, and then they didn't go to that hotel anymore. And it yeah. was like very sad. That was that was a very cool place. I don't know if it was. It, it was strange to me because it made no sense. It was a massive room, like really plush, super cool, like a big massive bar. And we just like set up tables over on one side and we're like, hey, let's let's do a podcast, everybody. Yeah, it felt uh, very like penthouse high roller, like we're so cool and we play our D D game. That's right. It was the whole <laughs> And wow raid. Yeah, it was it was definitely that you shouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> but was somehow we got yeah. we snuck in. Yeah. That's that that was the first one that jumped to mind. Mm -hmm. Oh man, um, this one is weird because like, like we, I feel like camping, but I feel like that's not weird. Like, but I feel like that was one of the most immersive kind of experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, I would guess I guess the biggest one is like Renfair. Like, I did a game at Renfair once, and technically it was camping because we camped at Renfair at the time, sure. but it wasn't camping like normal camping. Like back in the olden times of the Southern California Renaissance Fair. <laughs> Um, like 
most of the people who worked at fair camped there. That's not the case anymore. Uh, there are a few people who get to camp now, but so there was this big giant place called Tent City. And so people would go, they'd set up their tents. I just had a mattress in the back of my dad's pickup truck that had like a shell on it. And that was nice. so much easier than dealing with a That's tent. like a luxury apartment at Tent City. It was so nice. Yeah. And like close it at night, not hear anybody. Um, so when we, you go and work the weekend, you'd go camp and Friday and Saturday night and then you drive home on Sunday. And so people, there's a bunch of wild stuff. I'm not going to go into what happens in Tent City stays in Tent City. Uh, but um, most of us go and hang out around fair site. So at the time we had permanent buildings. So you'd walk around and there were like two story buildings and stages everywhere and stuff like that. Now we have to tear it all down and build it back up. I say we like I do it anymore. I don't. But um, so a bunch of us would gravitate to whatever stages we performed on and just random stuff. And at one point I there was like a party I was at and we went back to I think it was one of the inns hmm. like in the front of fair. I don't I don't remember if it was the Green Man or the Whorehouse or which one it was, because right. um, it was back at DeVore. But, like, hanging out and, like, people started talking about gaming. And so, like, I we all wandered back together and we're like, let's game right now. And it was, like, a half game because we didn't have any of our gaming stuff. Sure. Someone had some dice because, like, they thought it was hilarious to have, like, ye olden dice. And, like, they carried it around <laughs> as part of their costume. Um, and, like, so we were, like, half playing with, like, rules we remembered and like what we wrote down on like paper that was sitting there but it was like a very cool experience i was very drunk but like gaming in a like medieval village was super fucking cool i've i've always wanted to do like i've i've never been i've never been drawn to larps for some reason even mm -hmm. though we've done renaissance fair and other i think it's because stuff. of Fair. maybe maybe that, that's my theory but i've always wanted to go to those like uh like Dean game in, in a castle, castle. Yeah. yeah oh my god like that would be so cool mm -hmm. um would just be just and and i and when we were living in england it was like maybe i can go do that and then it was like oh i have no time and our kids like two yeah. so it was like really it's a hard time to do anything it is yeah yeah, yeah. and uh but I, I always thought that would be a blast i also would love to go and like uh do and i always kind of do the specific thing like dnd in a castle makes sense right i'm gonna go do like seven c on a pirate ship yeah right and like if you i mean like doing a cruise mm -hmm. right, it'd be super cool i know that there's a lot of the, the gaming cruises now like joko and stuff um, which uh, I one time was signed up to go and do. We were super excited. Elspeth and I were going to go, and then was like, "Oh, we're pregnant. We can't go on a ship with a with a with a pregnant." No. So yeah, uh, which was <laughs> with, a with a pregnant. Yeah, yeah. That's about as cogent as I was at that point. It was like baby coming, baby yeah. having baby, 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 baby. baby. human. Yeah, like yeah. So that was. Uh, but I've always like you know interesting interesting locations. Mm -hmm. Are cool. I think it's neat when um, you just find a place. Like, the place is unusual because either it's kind of like just an almost spur of the moment found place to do it, yeah, um, or you make it an unusual place. Yeah. When Stu and I um, were roommates in college, we used to do these uh, GURPS games where we played. Everybody played themselves. Mm -hmm. And so you'd stat yourself up and nice. like, you know, and then we would set them in real time. And there was one where we invited everybody over mm -hmm. and we're like, yeah, we're going to play uh, and invite them over to the apartment. And then we, um, we 
locked the we locked one of the doors, the back door, because everybody used to come in the back door of our house, mm -hmm. but the front door was unlocked, which mm -hmm. was super unusual. And um, and we there was all these like parking tickets that were on the front door, and, and all the lights were out. People were like, "What the hell?" Right? They're like, "Like, because like somebody had like put something in there." No idea. So they came in and they're like, "Hey, is are you guys here?" What's going on? And they finally just kind of come in. And they're like, oh, well, the door was open. That's weird. And they come upstairs, and we're in Stu's bedroom, and we've, with tape, made a big pentagram on the floor, and we're seated on either side of it, and there's, like, candles going, and we're perfectly motionless. Yeah. And they're like, what the, are you, are you get what? And, we, and we're doing it, and then Stu goes, okay, so you walk in the room, and they're like, ah! Like, everybody freaks out. And that was the beginning of a, uh, of a, a, a GURPS game. And then we did it where Stu and I co-GM'd it, and I took I think I think I took downstairs and Stu took upstairs, mm -hmm. and so they had things where they had to keep going going up and down the stairs to do things. And at one point, when they ran upstairs to go look for something, mm -hmm. um, whichever one of us was downstairs, or maybe we were both downstairs by this point in time, went over to our circuit breaker and went and started throwing the lights on and off, and they were and. And we found out one of the guys who was in the game had this fear of not darkness, but of, like, power failures. Oh. And he just, like, freaked out. I mean, oh. this was long before we were using what year safety this, stuff. Bill? This is, like, a, never, never, never. 1741, oh, I yeah, think. Yeah. Yeah, you know, back before, yeah, when it was ye olde lines. Mm -hmm. No, but we had no safety tools or anything. We're like, oh, we've all game together. Let's screw it. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, and so he freaked out. And then they got really on edge, and they came down the stairs, and one of the guys had picked up, like, a bat or something out of either my room or Stu's room. Uh -huh. um, and they were, like, coming down the stairs, and this is where they were going to have, like, their big encounter. Because the whole idea is that they'd gone – we went through this portal, mm -hmm. and then they were going to come through and find us. Yeah. And so they came through and it's like, okay, now you're on this reverse side. And we did stuff where we like, we wrote stuff in reverse on mirrors oh and we had gosh. like computer programs running. I thought you said you color. didn't LARP. I know. It's like, it's like, <laughs> this is definitely like that, you know, it, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, pretty boring. Well, we, you know, the costumes, but yeah. so, and, and so they came and they, they come down the stairs and I think <clears> it was <throat> Stu, like, is at the foot of the stairs and he's like, he was like, oh, whoa, like a zombie attacks. And one of the guys just like takes a swing at him. With the with the poor like oh okay all right everybody uh we're gonna go sit around the table now like we just immediately yeah right so maybe maybe that's the reason I don't LARP maybe traumatically in my head it's like but what if someone gets a bat again yeah um but that was like that was a I think the thing I liked about that made it unusual is that it was a space that everybody had played a lot in everybody knew our apartment we used to have parties there all the time like everyone was mm -hmm. very familiar with it and then they came in and it was all weird and strange and what we'd done. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really interesting how that became much more, more real and immersive yeah. to them in the space. I think it's because they knew it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's also <laughs> why I never go to like, like haunted mazes or anything. Cause there mm. are people who do fight or flight. I am the first one and I would yeah. get kicked out by no, not trying to like someone would like surprise me and I'd be like, Oh God. And like smack them. Right. And, it would not end well. And I have too many people who work at those. Like, I'm going to end up punching someone I care about deeply and don't know it's them. Right, right. So, um, yeah, I've always, like, we got, a couple weeks ago, we got an email about, uh, from someone in Norway, and they're running, like, a small convention in 
Oh, so cool. I listened to yeah. that. Oh my god, like a, and like a Viking a longboat Viking house hall. or something. Oh yeah. My god. So I've actually been like obsessed with it since then, and I've actually done like looking around because LA has a lot of cool places, mm-hmm. like fake castles you can rent and stuff like that. And I've been like talking to my husband who's in the industry. I'm like, hey, what places can we find? Because I'm like, and like like the place like where you got married and yeah. stuff like that. Like these, they're like buildings you can rent. Some of them are even have like sleeping quarters and stuff. And I'm like, okay. Would we be able to get enough people convinced, enough people to go to this that we could like split the cost so it would be like doable for everyone? If it's like three grand to rent like the building for a weekend or, well, it'd be a lot more than that, but like, you know, and if we were like had, you know, enough people interested to sign up to go and even if it wasn't like to spend the night there and stuff, like do like a mini, like, we have JackerCon online. We, like, have a mini Happy JacksCon in some weird little building I mean, there's, somewhere. like, cool Verbos and stuff, There's so too, many right? cool like, places. Yeah, we're, it's, um, we were talking about this a little bit before it started. Mm-hmm. Um, since, because of COVID and living in Washington, I did tons. Like, I super got into, like, gaming virtually and yeah. online and everything. Um, and made some great friends that I never see because they all live on the East Coast and stuff. Yeah. Um, but one of them uh, is, like, seriously like the best fantasy flight game star wars gm i've ever seen or played with mm-hmm. uh, this guy jay uh neofet3 if you're on on the twitters um and he's like super humble like really nice guy um like amazing storyteller uh and so he's coming out to the west coast and in december and one of the other guys that we play a lot with in there lives up in palmdale which mm-hmm. is like an hour from here for people that don't know our geography um but uh, everywhere in LA, is an, an hour, is from, an hour everywhere from everywhere else. else. Yeah. So yeah, about you know an hour, whatever. An hour here, yeah. Um, but we're gonna go to to Star Wars Land, mm-hmm. right? And then the next day, he's talked about um, trying to rent out three hours uh, before they open time at the uh, at the Scum and Villainy Cantina nice. to run some Star Wars, which is nuts. Like that would be that would probably jump to the top of yeah. going to a like public themed space to then play a game there would be very cool yeah okay actually that reminded me of a story Mm. so when i was in college i went to a college that's literally like 10 minutes from disneyland um so it was college state fullerton i'm happy saying that because i don't live there anymore but um that was way back in the day where an annual pass to get in every single day to disneyland was 300 whole dollars which at the time was incredibly expensive but like most of my college worked at disneyland like right Almost, Disneyland was powered by Cal State Fullerton, <laughs> but um, I wasn't in the game, but some friends of mine who were in the theater department were all, some of them were cast members and some of them were annual pass holders, because mm-hmm. that's what you did. You saved up 300 bucks and you would get your pass and you could go to Disneyland every single night and just hang out. And if you knew, if you told enough people it was your birthday, you'd get free tortillas and you'd get water. <laughs> and if you're a broke college kid, you can get enough food and like have fun with your friends when they got off work. Right. So we were all there all the time. And we are why Disney hates pass holders. But um, I'm better about it now. I'm not a pass holder anymore, but yeah. Um, but I had some friends who actually, they ran a game, a D&D game at Disneyland. Because mm-hmm. two of them, like, uh, were, were face characters. No, they, were, they were characters. I don't remember if they were face characters or, or mask characters. Um, and their two friends would go and they'd get off work and they'd meet at different places around the park. And like, there are places at Disneyland back in the day that were like pretty empty. Yeah. Like, like people would go there like once in a while to eat or something like that, but they were very dead areas of the park. Most of them have been completely ripped out and replaced with star Wars stuff now. But, um, <laughs> at the time you could find like nice, quiet little areas where it was very pretty. And like, there were tables there and things like that. 
and um, yeah, they used to run their D&D game at Disneyland. I have no idea how long it went. Um, I was in classes with them. I was friends with some of the theater department, even though I wasn't in theater. Um, but yeah, that, that's got to be a wild. And nowadays, yeah. like considering how expensive it would be. But at the time, it was it was reasonable for them. Yeah, I think mean, that's 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 amazing. Like, and and again, probably like found spaces, right? Yeah. And like, here's where we all hang out anyway. Yeah. Hey, what can we do here? You know, there's kind of this like picnic area that shuts down. You know, but you can still kind of get into it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love I love weird cubby holes like that. Yeah. Um. Ooh, oh, should we look in the chat? See if anybody. Uh, maybe... We have a little bit. A little bit. Um, they've also been talking with Erica. Has been talking and answering questions about the ah. the morgue that she that she gamed in. But um, there we go. Yeah. But I feel like there's. I feel like the longer you game, the less weird places seem. Yeah, maybe that's it too, right? If you were talking with people that just started the just hobby, started, they'd be like, "Oh, you played where? Yeah. Why would you do that when you were camping? Like, right. it seems like so odd. But I don't know. Yeah, I I think that trying to think if we again it's it's almost like the space itself it's like nothing nothing comes to mind as cool as being like in the basement of a funeral home on halloween halloween running called cthulhu right it's okay when that seems um, like 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 so perfect like a tv show would be made about it like yeah oh you just happen to be here at halloween and then suddenly the game the magic in the game really works and the zombie starts like it's tom hanks in that movie in the like 80s i think maybe or i don't know probably there's tom hanks was in everything at some point yes uh but i mean i'm trying to when like when we were in um when we were in England, we met up with uh, a group of folks that that listened to Happy Jacks that went yeah. over there, um, and uh, and it was uh, Aram, and it was like, and they said, I said, you know, and they do um, a comic, an online comic called Up to Four Players, yeah, 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 right, which is which is awesome, and they've done branch out and a ton just ton of stuff past that, and doing Savage Worlds, you know, actual games and all these arcs, mm-hmm. but. When that they first started that strip, a lot of it centered around to a local, friendly local gaming store that was right in their neighborhood where they would go there and they would kind of do all the storytelling in the comic about it. Yeah. And they were like, hey, do you want to go game at that store? And I was like, yeah, I do. That'd be amazing. So I, you know, got on a, the tube and a bus and ended up over there. And yeah, we went and played for like, you know, like three or four hours, um, played a game that they were, they were working on mm-hmm. writing up. Like in the store from the comic, yeah. And so that was like that was so pretty cool. Fun. It was just like really like it's like yeah, it was just some kind of local game store, but it was it's all it's all context. Yeah, it was Absolutely. really fun. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested like if you have weirder places. Like definitely write in emails about that because yeah, I'm sure people have weird ass places. This is you know this is one of the times I'm like I'm really sad like Tappy's not here for this episode because damn like I oh, bet yeah. oh yeah like weird ass places i mean yeah yeah he's i mean just because of all the all the places he's lived yeah or visited and then yes tappy very much would be the guy to find like okay i think we could go here and play yeah. this game and or he just happens to be there yes like i yeah. happen to be in a giant statue at burning man oh hey you've got dice let's play a game <laughs> i remember the rules to every system that's ever existed character sheet's just keeping you down yeah. man let's go <laughs> let's do it <laughs> oh man callback all right uh, thank you, Erica, for that email. Uh, and yeah, definitely, if you have a amazing place that you've games, write an email in and share it with us. See if you can beat our surprisingly tame answers to that yeah. question. Yeah, now I'm feeling like it's like a natural challenge. I know. I'm like, I need to, yeah. like, we need to up that. And I'm 100% need to do a Happy Jack's Con in some weird building somewhere. 
Uh, all right. Email number two. Oh, man, it's a long one. Okay. Greetings, my happy jackalopes plenty. In a recent episode, a writer wrote in about a horror story of a LARP that he and his friends went to. It was really bad. Um, while there were so many red flags, it felt like a communist revolution. I think this is an opportunity to discuss LARP safety tools and ways to help new folks out in the hobby. The first thing I'd like to bring up is the subject of bleed. This is the sensation of blending your own and your character's feelings. While some role-playing will lead to this on some level, there are those who go way too far. They see an attack upon their character as, attack, as an attack upon themselves. I've seen many games become toxic toxic cesspools because of this concept. One way to help combat bleed is to spend time interacting with fellow gamers in ways that do not involve the game in question. There are those who play on forums, write emails, write fiction of their own characters seven days a week. This often leads to obsessions, which can build an unhealthy attachment to a character. Unplugging, stepping away from the game, enjoying life away from it gives the faux emotional responses uh, time to reset and fade. Anyway, the main subject I was going to discuss was safety tools. Woohoo! One of the issues with LARPs is since many uh, method act their characters, there's a feeling that breaking a scene is undesirable, hence making a safety check on someone's, uh, someone is emotion, uh, emotionally is jarring. The Scandinavian countries have a society called Nordic LARP. This tends, uh, they, these tend to be large productions with many players. They've come up with a series of hand symbols that can be used without disrupting a scene. It is a, designed to be a silent, effective, kind of like a live-action X card or other safety tools. A common list of such, as well as some steps to help build an inclusive, uh, build an inclusive game, can be found at the following link. Uh, I'm going to put in this link in the show notes. And the short one is uh, nordiclarp.org. And then I'm hoping you can search once you get to that place. But there's an article somewhere there called Creating Culture, Trust, Safety, Collaboration, LARP Mechanics. That was posted in 2016. On a side note on inclusivity, many games I play in these days have pronoun pins, which list your preference of being addressed. Everyone wears one, cis, trans, NBs, as it helps to make it easier to address other players correctly. Finally, new player introductions. Having a staff member whose job it is to help new players with character creation to help them understand the rules and settings can be a very helpful tool. Some games also include a newbie merit, which is a temporary status of being, yo, don't PvP them. The plot is not, uh, is not at kill active on them. This allows players to make mistakes and get their LARP legs and be treated as something more than a victim of more experienced characters slash players. There's a lot written on the subject, and I could go on for several emails, please do, and probably have gone on way too long as it is, but it comes down on how to run a game and an environment with maximum enjoyment for all. Yours in geek sissitude, Debbie. She, her. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I listened I listened to that, and I was just like oh, the email, re yeah. recoiling that, that email, just like... I feel like it was two weeks ago? Uh, yeah. It was like... Like thirty eighteen or thirty nineteen, yeah, something it, there. But you'll know it when you get there oh, because man. it is the most horrifying. horrifying. Yeah, just and and I think one thing that came up there and and I like feel resonates in in this email as well is if if you're running a LARP 
why would you let that happen? Or why would you make that a part of your story? Why would you do things that are like, hey, here's a person who's coming in, new to our group, maybe new to the hobby entirely, new to LARPing especially, and like, what are we going to do? We're going to gank their character. We're going to talk crap about their costume. We're going to like segregate the women off from their people Try and that hit on them. them. And yeah. like, it was just everything was horrifying and creepy. Right. And the fact uh, and what made me really think of that was um, when Dabby's talking about bleed. Right. Is it's it's not like when I've got a character sheet and I'm reading off of that. And there's there's a, kind of a, a, a metaphysical distance. Right. When it's I am there physically and I am portraying a character. Right. Because this is in I'm, I have never LARPed in that way, but done tons of Renfair. It's like. You know, people can just decide to buy into that, which is what you try to have the experience be, but that can get really uncomfortable and weird and dangerous, right? And I'm a big, white, cishet guy, right? They don't run into problems and whatever. I can usually talk my way out of or laugh it off or if I need to move somebody back. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even imagine what that space is like for women, Yeah, right? Where it's just like, and i been near it and watched it and on our stage when we both used to perform mm-hmm. right it was like very much we're the big brothers right and like we're always watching out for the for the gals mm-hmm. you know and that kind of stuff but it's just i could i can in my mind imagine the allure of like hey i'm gonna go and like so get into who this character is yeah right i'm gonna and and i know a lot of the larps very much ride on like political intrigue and you know depending on what they are mm-hmm. um but to go into that with no safety tools. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I, I, I think that's one of the reasons, like, I, I've made a goal for myself to try LARPing sometime this year. Mm. Um, you know, I'm trying to still do pretty COVID safe activities and it's outdoors and it has costuming. But I, like, especially after that email, I really reflected on, like, why haven't I done LARPing? It seems like a thing I would 100% love. And I actually came to that conclusion. I had a bunch of really bad experiences at Ren Fair. And I am a tall, very physically capable woman. And I was assaulted many times by cast members and by by audience members. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes worse than others. Um, And... It it makes me nervous to be in a place where I'm not with a group because when I was I'm with a band or I'm at our stage area, it was very much a safe area. Mm-hmm. And the longer I did fair, the less I went around fair. And now it, it's much safer now than it was back when I joined. Mm-hmm. And I joined fair when I was 18, and like I've learned a lot. <laughs> um, it's also why I'm really good at like dealing with people now, and like 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 I learned a lot of techniques to keep myself safe in public spaces, even when I'm interacting with strangers from my bad experiences at Renfair, unfortunately. Um, I wish Renfair had tools like this, honestly, because I, I think that is part of my hesitation, like going into, even if I was going with friends, going into a role-playing LARP, you know, a thing without, like my band has like eight other women in it and we generally travel as a pack. Right. So that there's like some safety in that. And there's safety in um the the being a paid performer at the Renaissance Fair, where if someone starts being inappropriate, I'm like, you need to get your hands off me or I'm calling security. Mm-hmm. And you can do that in a LARP too, but it's just 
I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a nervousness there with like being in an environment that has similar perceived dangers on my part. I'm not saying LARPs are dangerous, but it that that feels similarly dangerous because of my past experiences mm-hmm. without knowing that there's a security guy like down the road and things like that. Um so how like hearing more and more about these safety tools makes me feel better. I have a bunch of friends who do LARPs and they are very much encouraging me. I'm hoping to go with like a group at some point and do that. Um you know, it'd probably yeah. be, it'd probably be really interesting to have someone on mm-hmm. the show who like works in organizing or running LARPs. I mean, like Tyler used to do it a lot. We've had a bunch right? of people, and, and Courtney was supposed to be here tonight, which is why this email's in here. Because because I think that you know what that's one of the things is that we used to, and I don't know now because it's been five or six years since I've done fair, mm-hmm. but we used to have meetings where it's like, oh, if you see something, do something about it. Yep. Like here's how you get security. So at least we as cast members or entertainers yeah. or workers at the booths or whatever is like we all kind of knew like okay this is how we need to like watch out for each other yeah and and then if there were i know that they used to also then try to point out groups that might be at higher risk yeah right so like the um not the fairies but the uh like the theme characters that were like the fae, the yeah. fae right they're like people will get really in their space and they're and they're by themselves. They're by too. themselves, right? Yeah. They just like a single, like single entities. That's kind of their thing to move through and be yeah. very ethereal. But There's that... a reason why Disney princesses and all the Disney characters have like a guard with them at all times. Yeah, and and they just did that. And I remember really specifically um, during one like pre-show, you know, meetings we were having where they're like, "Everyone, please watch, watch out for them." Like, and it's really tricky mm-hmm. because we're not supposed to be able to see them. Yeah. Our characters, if we're all in character, we can't see them because they're from the Fae realm and we're, you know. Only only the customers are part of like that magical right. space where we can see them. Right, can see them. So you find yourself, if you're on the street trying to interact, and I can imagine this, you know, is a, is a split some people might have to make in LARPs too. It's like, I'm going to be in my character and be engaging with, in this instance, a customer or another actor, but I'm keeping in my peripheral vision, I'm seeing that there's one of our other actors who I know is could very easily get into a bad situation, yeah. right? Um, and so, like, I would just think it would be imperative on LARPs to say, look, we want this to be really fun and really engaging and really immersive, and, like, you know, some stuff can get turned up here, but ultimately this is a game and needs to be a safe space. Yeah. And I would hope that that's what happens. Um, I think, I think you know. there are definitely LARPs where it does. And honestly, like, even not being in the LARP community, like, there are LARPs that have good reputations and bad reputations, and I know about them. And mm-hmm. women who are in, like, the Ren Fair LARP role-playing world, like, are very clear with each other, like, this one's good. Don't go to that one. Go with this to that one, but only if you're with a group of friends who won't leave you alone and things like that. And even at Fair, like, um, a bunch of women at Fair who I used to know, I'm sure that's changed, like, but every year we come up with code words with each other so that you could, because the problem with interacting with customers, and I'm not saying this is true at LARPs, but it often is whenever you're dealing with, you know, some some men specifically tend to have negative reactions when you ca- start calling them out on their behavior or tell them you're not interested in them. Um, what are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> well, especially at Ren Fair where, like, yeah. you know, they expect you to be the wanton wench who, like, is super into them. And it's like, no, dude. Um, so, it, and, like, we'd have codes where, like, you'd walk up to, you know, we, we, we know we all hung out in the same areas of fair, so you'd walk up and, hey, doesn't he remind you of, you know, my cousin? And that was, get me the fuck away from this guy, I don't feel safe. Right. And, uh, 
I'm sure that there is a bunch of stuff like that in the LARP community too. And one of the things I find, like when you first join fair, you like don't want to break it, you know, the, the, the thing. Yeah. Um, and so I'd use the codes with people I thought would be, uh, not safe if I was honest with them. Mm-hmm. But I, there's also a point where I'm sure a lot of these, um, these LARPs have like, you just drop character. It's like, no, this isn't safe. Stop it. Like, no. Right. And, and then, I love yeah. I love the idea of the hand tools. Yeah, that's great. That's super cool. I actually want to go look this up because sometimes here in the studio, and this is one of the reasons I love talking about LARP stuff, because a lot of the safety tools that we use now in tabletop RPGs actually originated in LARP hmm. and then were um, like modified to work at a, at a table. Because obviously, like LARPs need safety tools. Not yeah. not more like like playing at a table is dangerous, but when you actually have a physical object, you were swinging at someone else. There's a little bit difference in danger there. Um, so I really love the idea. I want to look these up because here in the studio, you guys you can't see, but we do have um, some microphones and stuff that sometimes obscure. We do have X cards and everything on the table, but sometimes people can't quite see it because there's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if we all had like a hand signal, you know, whatever it was, it'd be a lot easier. For to pe- for people to recognize, even if it wasn't quite on camera, right? So I, I right. Definitely... even if you weren't like, like yeah, yeah. Which, which 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 also would be perfectly fine. We yeah, and we tell everyone like this is totally fine. Like we are happy if you feel self conscious about using a safety tool, like because it's a stream and you don't want people to know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I encourage these like tell people like I say straight out, I'm like I'm gonna X that because it's good for us to show people how yeah. it's used and like make it like normalizing it. Yeah, and I and it, I mean to the to the immersion of it, and I, I I could totally understand that, especially if you just went somewhere, it's your first time trying it. You're like, I really want to try to fit in. This seems really cool. I have friends that do it, right? You're going to let stuff slide, yeah, maybe, or you're just like, oh, okay, maybe that's just like, yeah, that felt really weird and and uncomfortable, and but you know that I I don't want to. Maybe it's normal. Maybe yeah, this maybe, is how it's supposed to work. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where, um, you know, being really upfront, right. And whether that's tabletop game or whatever, anything like, yeah. like, that's why we always talk about session zeros, right. And why they're so, uh, so important. And now with, you know, even more online play, right. It's, you know, I several times have been like, even I'm just going to go on and play not even a stream thing, but people like, I'll get an email at a time. that's like, here's your big checklist. Yeah. You know, mark what you're okay with, not okay lines with, veils, lines and yeah. veils, and, you know, and it's so helpful. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Cause, and I mean, even in our home game mm-hmm. that I'm, that I'm jamming right now, like, that's how we started. Yeah. And then every, you know, 10 or 12 sessions, I check in, right? So I think that that's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really super interested in the nonverbal yeah. stuff. Cause I think that could be really applicable in a lot of places. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that they have and they encourage like, like official LARP people who aren't there to play, but like who are there to facilitate and kind of make things work for the new players. And I think that is, um, I mean, like it's something that's been built into video games for a really long time. Like, like, like the new players, you can't kill them. They've got like, Right. Kind of like the version of God mode where like right. you can't attack them. Their name is like grayed out or whatever. Right. Like a newbie zone. It's yeah. Like, there's no PDP active here. Yeah. And like, yeah. All that stuff. So I, I love that they're incorporating that uh, so that like people can, can, you know, get used to things, level up a little bit before they're thrown in the deep end so that you avoid situations like that email where like the powerful characters are just knocking around these people. And I feel like there's probably a big difference in people who 
organize LARPs because they're passionate about LARPs and want to create community and want to have great experiences for people. Mm-hmm. And people who start LARPs because they want to be badass vampires. And like, and then I, I feel like, like those are the kind of, yeah, I just <laughs> not, feel like, not to call out a particular system or genre, but yeah, but yeah, I feel, I, I mean, we talked <laughs> about this on that episode too. Like it would, it would take a lot for me to join a vampire LARP. Like, and I'm saying this with, I have, like, one of the biggest vampire LARPs in Southern California is, like, half people I know from either Happy mm-hmm. Jacks or the gym I used to coach at. Like, more than half. Like, two-thirds of the people are people I've either yelled at to make do push-ups or <laughs> scheduled into games on Happy right. Jacks. So, I'm very much the boss of them, but I still would, like, be a little hesitant, even though I trust them, just because there's there's a weird power dynamic with vampire stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of built into... The systems, yeah. too, right? And, and all vampire lore. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's it's just an element of that genre that would be really hard to... And I find it very intimidating and, and a little nerve-wracking. And I like... I love playing it at the table now. I was mm. terrified the first time we played it. I was like, I'm excited to try this, but I, I don't know if I'm into, like, role-playing vampires and stuff like that. And then, like, Scully started talking, at our, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> my 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 intimidation level went way down. But, yeah, I don't know. There's just, there's there's something about that genre that makes it, like, inherently more dangerous because of the sexuality and the violence involved in that genre. Where if you're fantasy and you're, like, playing a hobbit or whatever, or an elf, there's, like, there's a little less undercurrent of danger there. Yeah, it needs to be a. Uh, it's it's really interesting. I I I think you're convincing me. Like I've got to try a LARP. We should do it. We should like do it. <laughs> okay, we can do. It. I'll do it. We'll do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because okay. I mean, I, I remember I used to like, I used to talk a lot about on way back in the day uh, on the show about um, uh, like like Adventurers League or and and I I was like you know I'm I'm kind of throwing some shade and I've never gone and done it. Yeah. So at like one con, I was like. I'm doing it. I went online. I remember. I made a character. I did, like, I went through the whole process. I got my Adventures League number. I went to the table and, and it was as bad as I. You came back complete, and reported. Yeah. And I came, yeah, it was, it was like, wow, that was like so, that was everything I hoped it wouldn't be, but knew it was going to be yeah. for some reason. But at least I did it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and even in that, there was another person at the table who I was like, I would totally play some other game with you. Yeah. Cause you could tell, like, like you're a good role player and you're getting to it. And you're not falling victim uh, to the fact that the other guy who sat next to me at one point leaned over and was like, oh, why yeah. did you put your points that way? Like, literally was analyzing my character uh-huh. and giving me crap for not maximizing. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, thanks. Good to get out of my seaway yeah. for my sheet. But, yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, I, there's a lot of discussion about it. I know people have done it. Like, all right, I, I'll go try it. I want to go try it out. Yeah. There's a lot of crossover in it. And I feel like... LARPers learn a lot from their tabletop experiences and tabletop has absolutely drawn and, and improved based on stuff from LARPs like safety tools and things like that. And we have a bunch of LARPers in here. So yeah. like Kurt and Mace just joined a LARP and, mm. uh, Clara and Courtney, um, and like t- tons of LARPers in the Happy Jacks contingency and then a bunch of costumers. So I don't know what, well, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to try it. All right. It'll All be right. good. I mean. It's not like I have no nothing to wear or anything. <laughs> oh my god! What if you had to make something? What? What? Like a sewing machine? <clears throat> How or would that even work? Armor out of workout 
foam mats? That's possible. <laughs> Actually, I have all of that already. I don't know. It would take a lot to find a LARP that I wouldn't have anything to wear to. Right. Like, I did think it was it was interesting in that episode. And for we keep referencing this previous episode. Definitely go back and listen to it or watch it yeah. um, on YouTube, especially. And then hit that subscribe while <laughs> you're there. Whoop. Uh, but... I loved the fact that I think it was Nick that was saying, like, all everyone shows up and they're like Trent Reznor video rejects. Right. And you're like, I would totally, that would be that, me. That would be the aesthetic right? I would go I, for. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, and it's, and it's so funny because I think, I think maybe it was Nick again who brought it up. It was like, he went to one and it's true. It was like, but, but if you were actually adhering to the masquerade, you'd never dress that you'd way. Never. Unless you were like going to some event that was like, no, this is secret in a, you know, yeah. in a castle, we're going to play D&D. And then later we're going to have our, you know, our actual vampires. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I'd be, I'd be, the, the, the other thing I, I would be interested in is one that has a good location. Yeah. Right. To kind of even touch back on the previous email, like, like I'd, I'd be more interested in going to one that was like, yeah, we actually have it out in this, this park or forest not a, like yeah. oh it's in a park kind of in the middle of you know a busy intersection los angeles and, yeah here we are hey everybody we're LARPing. um hey kid you kids get out of here with your softball we're on the field we have yeah. it for the next hour right as opposed to yeah you're taking an hour and going up to you know in big bear or somewhere because everything's an hour from la um you know and going somewhere where it feels like oh it's this is a little secluded i'm able to immerse myself more yes. into it yeah i'll have to look into that yeah, because the vampire one, I know there's one at Strategic on, mm -hmm. but that doesn't feel, I mean, they, they definitely like do it up from what I've heard. You're not allowed to just go hang out in the rooms. You have to like be participating. You can't just watch because it's not a spectator sport, but um, like they change the lights and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like there's probably places that could work in some of the hotels for like vampire LARPs because it's like mm -hmm. modern day and stuff like that. Um, there's one out um, in a... Uh, uh, like Riverside Norco area, which mm -hmm. is an hour from here because everything's an hour from Riverside or from LA. Right. We're doing, yeah. Everything's way further than that from our. But um, it's like at the fair, at another fair, the other fair site. Oh, okay. Like Cronenberg. Cronenberg, yeah. Okay, yeah, I yeah. think I think that there's one that is at that fair site when they're not using it as a fair site. Oh, that's cool. So I don't know, but All it's right. also like 104 here this week. So I'm also like I don't want to do anything that's outside and involves yeah. any no, kind of costuming no, whatsoever. No. But yeah. You know, it's really funny because I'm so like, I've never done a LARP. And then I just flashed on this memory when I was maybe 15 or 16 years old. I was at a con and somebody came and said, like, oh, hey, we're short for some people to be monsters. Would you be a monster? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I literally just remembered that. I'm like, I think I think. I got roped into like stand in this room, and when some come someone comes in, like, and then you're gonna roll some dice. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun, because like, whatever, sure, great. Yeah. So maybe I have accidentally, maybe I had an early strange experience. LARP experience. I don't know. That's actually something that a lot of the LARPs do, and I'm actually very interested in doing that first. Is like you go in and you play an NPC first, mm. so they give you a role, they give you a place to be, um, and like. It's like a kind of a first taste. Mm -hmm. um, so I would love to do that as like a first step to do that. Because I'd be right. fucking great. At, I mean, that's basically what Ren Faire is. Right. Ren Faire yeah. is you are an NPC in someone yep. else's video game. And uh, so I feel like that would be a really great first step that I feel very comfortable with. I have like mm. an assigned role. I stay here. I give the quest or I give you the seven poops you need from your wow, you know, right. your, your, your wow quest or whatever it is. 
Um, there's, al- there's always the poop quest in World of Warcraft. Um, so a lot of them have that as like a, a first step, like safety mechanic too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like baby steps. You get to do that. I feel a lot of times you're kind of like off limits. You they, like you can't kill the NPCs, right? Video games right. and larks. Yeah. So I feel like that's like a, an interesting thing to kind of ask about too. I might do that first. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Let's do this, Kimmy. We're going to do it. Right, Nick's in the chat it. room. He's like... All right, Nick, hold us accountable. No, no. He was going to do it with us. I'm gonna oh, wait. Him. We're all doing it. He's like, I don't know about that. Come on, man. Do it. Do, do it. it okay. Do it. Um, All right. Thanks. You want to read the third one? Yeah. Thanks, thank you. Dobby. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dobby. Uh, all right. Uh, number three. Hello, Empress Kimmy and the Jacka Court. I'm the whole court today. Exciting. Yeah, you are. A small story about a campaign I am currently running. <laughs> A few years ago, my group at the time played in a D&D game set in Waterdeep. After about 20 sessions, choices in the game went bad. Long story short, a massive explosion and a gateway to the underworld was opened. The players all got what they wanted, but the city? Not so much. The campaign ended there, and everyone was happy. Fast forward a few years, and I'm trying to prep another campaign for many of the same people from last time. That day, what shows up in the mail? My brand new copy of Decima. Match made in heaven. I ran the idea by my group. Waterdeep meets Ravenloft meets Bloodborne. Everyone is on board. We get together for our session zero, and I pull out Decima and a map of Waterdeep that I found online. Decima and the group of players basically wrote my entire campaign for me. They loved it. Now, 20-plus sessions in, the group is constantly talking about how real the world feels and how invested they are. This has been the most I have ever gotten out of my group of players. It's been amazing, and I will never run another campaign without Decima. I have no question. Talk amongst yourself about how cool Decima is. <laughs> do, the P- do the PS. Uh, oh, PS. Verk. 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 Uh, PS. Did this story sound good to you? Do you wish you, too, could get a copy of Decima to make your campaigns better? Would you also like to do it for free? Free. Do I have the opportunity for you? You, you. Starting at the reading of this email and running for four weeks, four I am weeks. giving away a brand new copy of Decima. I may have on Unpills, ball to second copy. On the Happy Jacks Discord. Come join our great community and have a chance to win. Details on the Discord. Uh, place disclaimer here about how this is not hosted by Golden Lasso Games. Yeah, I'm not hosting. Not no, me. No, no. Uh, but to join the Discord, go to happyjacks.org slash Discord and it will redirect you to our Discord. And we're really good about, if you've never used Discord, we're really good about, like, helping new people learn to use it. Right. And so. if you come and you join, uh, your your first experience is so welcoming, uh, and it's tacos. A lot of tacos. tacos. We like tacos. We do. <laughs> uh, how does that feel, Kimmy, to have people using a thing that you made to make their role-playing experiences even better? That's very cool. And it's still very weird. <laughs> um, and actually, like... Funny, funny story. The very, 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 very first game of Decima ever was out creating a water deep campaign. So wow. I, yeah, like I had kind of done like this mishmash of stuff when I started the, um, the wild, wild talents game. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I put all these things together from different games and I kind of was like mess, like the idea was in my head and I hadn't quite figured out how to do it. And then. Like, it just clicked one day, and I wrote, like, all this stuff down randomly in a notebook, really, like, scribbling bad. And I, like, frantically called Jason and Abria, and I was like, what are you doing tonight? I have this weird game, and I need to try it out because I'm obsessed with it, and I can't stop thinking about it. I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep unless, like, I try this and see if it works. 
So they were both very good friends. And we like, <laughs> like two hours later, we're in Jason's like living room around his coffee table. And I'm like, okay, so I think this can build anything, but we have to try it. So what do you want to build? And Abria being like D&D, she's like, let's do a water deep thing. And it's like, okay. So we like, we did this thing, like we looked up water deep on the internet and mm-hmm. we drew a very, very bad, like kind of basic version of water deep. And then, the, so the very first version of Decima, which had no cards, I knew I was going to use tarot and it was like very roughly, but it was literally like us with like. A tarot deck, I don't, I, I didn't know I owned a tarot deck at the time, but I evidently did. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, pulled it out and then like us looking things up on this very long, very badly written scribbled list. And it totally worked. It was like, there was definitely improvements to be made. But there was that spark, but, right? Yeah. It, yeah like, oh, it was like, that. like we started doing it and I was like, and we were all like, holy shit, this is really working. Like all of us were like, oh, this is great. So we did like the water deep one and then. Like we did two more. I have the maps still inside, and like we all we did like three diff- completely different like like setups that mm-hmm. night, and we we're like, oh my god, there's so much work to do on this, but it fucking works. And that was just like I still get goosebumps. Like that moment where I just like, shit, this is like a thing. It is yeah. uh, uh, one, and I don't have to do this because it's it obviously. But welcome to being a game designer. Yeah. Um, the it I any game I've ever worked on. Yeah. There is a moment that occurs and you always remember what it was. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it happens really early and sometimes it happens late where, where you, you do something and it just, and it clicks and you're like, Oh my God, this is going to work. Yeah. Like, this is so cool. Yeah. Like, and, and even if it's, and, and you, and it's really funny because when you talk about it, like you just did, like, there's things I did 25 years ago. And I'll tell a story about that moment and I still get like chills because it's, it's that, it's that moment when thoughts you've had and maybe sometimes a a fast brainstorm like this, you're like, come over tonight. We're going to do it right now. Right. And it happens really early. Sometimes I call, man, I've just been banging on this thing for like a year Mm -hmm. and I, and then you make some change or some tweak or some moment happens like that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Like, I love that in Savage Worlds. Yeah. Right. When we were talking um, and saying, like, hey, what's like, what, what made, what was it about the dice mechanic? Like, mm-hmm. you have the, the wild die. It's like, I, I, I like rolling dice. Yeah. Right. And so, and because you know that moment when a wild die that got added, right, the chain was like, that felt really cool. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and that's the thing is, it's something happens. And in your mind, it's like, hmm, could this, could this do this? Like, could I really build everything with this? Yeah. You know, what, it, what if, as I've always felt to me, one of the things about Savage Worlds I love is that there's this slim chance for anyone to do the impossible. Yeah. And it's the, it's the wild die and exploding mechanic. Yeah. Coupled together. And when that happens, mm-hmm. right, it's like, oh, my God, that was it. Like, that's the whole reason I play. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I, we've both had that happen at cons. It yeah, happened in the game okay. we, we co-GM. Yeah. Right. Where like the players did crazy stuff. And then it was like, no, wait, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to use my life, whatever you want. And then, and then the crazy thing happens and the dice explode and everybody's like, oh, yeah. 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 And it's, uh, like those are the, those are the things that when they happen, when you're in the midst of game development, absolutely. You know, like, oh, this is the thing. Yeah. Right. So I'm I'm so excited for you 
to yeah. have done this right yeah. and i and like that email is so awesome where you know i always think it's really cool when someone's like hey so this thing that you made i used that thing and like it made whatever we're doing like way better yeah and it's like oh yeah oh good <laughs> i still i feel like and I, I always feel a little weird about putting the emails in the show like like i don't know i feel like I, i'm running the show i feel like it shouldn't I, I like, I don't want the show to be like an advertisement for my stuff, but also like, I'm proud of it and I'm glad it's ha helping the community. And like, it's always kind of like a, and we need emails. So I can't really like, decipher yeah. those emails. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's always amazing to hear how well it works for people. And, and it's so funny because like, like, like you were just talking about like the games that you take forever, like Starscape has been like a very long process of incremental changes. And it's getting close to being done, but it's been like almost uh, like it's like uh, almost two years now that I've been like chipping away at it. And mm -hmm. it was like a concept that like Decima was like the mad painter in an, you know, in one night you get done with like this giant masterpiece. Um, and then I like slowly tweaked and I did like, um, you know, uh, like safety consultations and stuff mm -hmm. with it. So people like, sorry, cause I wanted it to be very safe for everyone and disability consultations on it to make it like really as accessible as it could be. But it changed very little as far as the concepts, like mm -hmm. from that mm -hmm. first night, like, like the words got reached, you know, the questions got rephrased a little bit or shortened because you have to fucking fit it on a tiny little bit of a card. <laughs> so that was like the biggest thing is like, how can I make this fit on the one end of a card? But uh starscape was like, chipping something out of marble mm -hmm. and it's still in a process of that where it's like, I have this, I know this can be a thing. And like, every time I play through it, there's something else that I like chip a little bit more away from. And eventually I don't know if it'll ever be done. Like, I feel like when Deckham was done, I'm like, this is done and it's ready to go. And then mm -hmm. Samantha's art just like made it perfect. Um, but I don't know. Like, I don't like Jason talks about this with demigods mm -hmm. uh, and he's, and you've talked about it too, with the, the games, the video games and stuff that you've worked on too is like, there's always that thing that you like notice later that you like can't ever fix now because it's out there. Yeah. And you're like, mm, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. I think it's that all of those feelings you've talked about applies to like almost every creative endeavor. Yeah. If you're writing a song or you're like, you know, penning a story or anything or designing a know, campaign. Yeah, or designing a campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say like, that is yeah. it. And, and when those happen, like, uh, I'm very, I'm very plot point driven mm -hmm. when I GM. Um, and, uh, all I can say is like, always be thankful for fantastic players because they give you so much at the table. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny. I recently went back and, uh, and, uh, on, on YouTube because it's a great place to do this, went back and actually watched some of the US Station stuff again. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I've got a project in mind for US Station. I'm like, I kind of go back and figure out what we did. And, only because I know what I'm looking for, mm -hmm. I can see the moments where some interaction occurred and mm -hmm. I can watch myself and go, that's where that became canon yeah. in the game. Or it's like, oh, that's where a thing clicked. And, <laughs> and the, um, and I told the, the players this, but I had no BBEG for the campaign. Really? Until we had our amazing friend come on and and he played yeah. the the ad the um the uh, um ambassador, and it was like, oh, was this so is cool. great. He's doing oh, this is so fantastic. Um, and it was just like, 
we got to the last part of it, and I won't spoil it if people haven't seen it, because I'd love you to watch it, but he does something at the very end of the episode. Mm-hmm. He's in his one character, and as, as soon as it happened, and I, and I called it, I was like, oh, and that's where we're going to end for the night. Hey, thanks, my God. Thanks for coming on. It's really great. And I went home, and I was like, oh, my God. Thank God I've got two weeks, because I think I just figured out yeah. the whole story arc. And I... And it, but it was that thing, like I could tell, like all the sparks went off. Yeah. Like the, and right now, as I'm talking about it, I'm getting yeah. a little tingle. And I spent two weeks going back, listening to old episodes, finding stuff out, and realized, like, oh, you know what? All these puzzle pieces fit together if I make this the result of it that he inadvertently set up. Yeah. Right. Even though we had spent a lot of time talking about it. And then when the reveal came the next episode, it was like, oh, God, whoa, like, how did we miss it? Because it makes yeah. so much sense. And it's like, okay, that was awesome. Yeah. Right? And it's, I think that that's the, to me, that's the biggest payoff as a GM. That's why we do all this stuff. Right? Is is to see something, and not because, like, I planned it and I'm brilliant or something. It's like, oh, but I'm pretty good at putting stuff together as it happens and notes and everything. Yeah. And then, like, hey, I think I could have this occur that's going to feel like it did yeah um but it's but it gives you that sense of like oh oh the magic the magic happened right the hardest thing in those moments is not to give it away with your face right to play cool you're like oh my gosh and inside you're just like oh the thing and you're you're just like be cool be cool be cool look cool look at your nails very (laughs) chill everything's fine when your like brain is exploding inside and you're like don't don't talk to the players the biggest upside of even running a home game and and originally being forced to do it over zoom because of covid but now it's because you know even though elspeth and dave and i are all now in socal again we've got tyler and and kurt Mm -hmm. in the game kurt potts yeah in our home game but there was uh there was a very short a moment where they um, we're in a, uh, obviously some kind of necromancer's workshop and a character they had met earlier in the game and had done some stuff for and very much trusted was down there. And he was like, he's like, Oh, oh my God. And he's like, he, they, they forced me to do this thing and, and, and very believable story. Yeah. And while they're all like, and they're like, okay. And they kind of leave him there. It's a little gnome and they're all starting to search this room and everything. And really, like, offhandedly to each other, one of them was like, oh, it's kind of weird that he was here. And so I, like, and I check. He rolled, like, a 22 for stealth. <laughs> I look at everybody's passive, and I'm like, okay. Then another maybe, like, minute or two go by. Mm-hmm. One of them's like, oh, hey, I'm going to turn back around and talk with Frelwick. I'm like, yeah, he's not there. And they're like, What? And they go and they find that he's taken this cart that they used to get there. So now they have like an eight-hour walk back to town. <laughs> they're screwed, right? And they're like, what? And they find a little secret room. And, uh, and and they go in and Dave says, and I said, oh, yeah, there's like a little, there's a bed in here. Not little. I said, there's a bed yeah. in here and a, and a dresser, you know, but it's like, obviously, you know, someone sleeps here while they're working or something. Um, and Dave said, <laughs> out loud, he's like, I swear to God, if there's little clothes in that dresser, that guy is my nemesis. <laughs> and, and he's like, okay. I was like, okay, what do you want to do? I opened the dresser. What's in there? Little clothes. Little clothes. Because what else was going to be in there at, at that, that point? point? Yeah. Right? And so it was like, great. Thank you guys for kind of, because up until the moment 
where they were like, they got a little sus. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, everything I was saying was like, no, that's ultimately true. Like, yeah, he was being forced to do this because I had a different person yeah. in mind to be doing the stuff. But it's like, oh, oh, no, that is so much better. And like some of the weird stuff that I made up earlier and did a really bad job with will just feel like bad lying. Oh, yeah, he's definitely the guy who did it. Yeah. Um, but that's the secret is like never tell your players. Right. Well, and I feel like players have those moments. Absolutely. Like what Mm. you were talking about with Savage Worlds, those moments where the dice either like, and we've had this a lot on our Hexbreakers game recently, where the dice are just so fickle. Like we have amazing successes or terrible ones. And it feels like the dice know, like, like everything's riding on this. We've got to get out of here. We're all going to die. Boom. The biggest success of the night. And it happens like every time. But like anytime we're like, okay, we ha- this is really important. We have to do this massive fail. And it's just <laughs> like, it just like the highs and lows. And like as a player, as you're writing, you know, the, 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 the peaks and valleys of your successes, you get that same feeling as like a designer does when they're, you know, creating games or any other creative, a painter. Cause it, it, it's contributing to art. It's contributing to a, like cultural collective experience. And yeah. I think that's like at the core of it. Like I feel, I think we talk, we focus on GMs a lot because it tends to be GMs who are looking for advice, mm-hmm. but I feel like the experience is very parallel for players too. Even if you're just playing one character versus like planning a campaign or playing many NPCs, um, the emotional investment and that, that high you get from uh, like, like the immersion of it is, yeah. is so powerful and so just amazing. I think that's why as a, as a GM and as a player, um, as a GM, I always check in and say like, is there, is there anything that you want to pay off with your character that yeah. you're not getting? Is like, you know, whether it's you're using a mechanic like stars and wishes and things like that, or just checking and saying, Hey, is there, you know, is there some place you want to go? Is there something you want to have happen? How do I, because you know, like I want to make sure I'm I'm driving it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a player, I have found out now, and this is I think when you GM a lot, you start using GMing habits as a player. Yeah. Um, is I've recently, very recently, told my DM where I'm like, oh, here's a thing that I want to do with my character, and mm-hmm. I'm telling you I want to do it because you wouldn't know, but here's why, and here's how it fits in my backstory, blah blah, blah whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank goodness I've been playing with people that are like, oh, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Because it it does have that same payoff, mm-hmm. right? When when you do it with, with your character. So yeah. uh and I think it's important too when it when it happens at the table, whether you're the GM or whether you're another player, and you because yeah. you can kind of see sometimes when those moments happen. Yes. Right? Is to like is to be there for it. Yeah. When a, there's a uh, there's a show that I watch, uh, an AP, and one of the players is like so super supportive. So someone else would be like, oh, and I hit, they're like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You, they're like, you know, mm, they're in. And you're like, yeah. yeah. They're not just celebrating like my character's excited for your character. It's like, oh, you just did a cool thing yeah. and I'm here for your cool thing. Yeah. Well, we do this on stage all the time. We throw focus. Yeah. So like when you're on stage and somebody's doing something, as another person on stage, you can't, you have choices. Like you can try and compete and be more interesting. So you pull focus from them or you can look bored or just not be interested at all. And that also pulls focus for the audience. The audience starts looking at you and like, why aren't they interested in what's happening? Cause it's, 
not normal. And then like, like other performers, like, like you turn and you watch what happens. Even if it's like the millionth time you've been in the scene, you turn your body and I'm not going to turn my head because I have to keep it pointing at the microphone, but like you turn your head and you stare like you've never seen this. And it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. And you react to it. You laugh or clap or agree or whatever it is. And that increases that moment for the audience because of how humans react. Mm -hmm. So doing that at the table too, like also just because you're having a time, you want to be there for your friend, but also be like, yeah, like, like that builds up the momentum of exciting moments, whether it's with an audience or with other people at the table, it just like compounds and, uh, and exponentially on itself as people like build up that excitement and support there. And there was, I remember when uh, the Green Mile came out and mm -hmm. Michael Duncan was talking about you know, and it was like, that was a big role for him to do. Yeah. And he was talking about it. He said the thing that, that was the, the most incredible part for him about doing that movie was this moment where he had this very emotional scene and it's pretty much entirely, um, he's monologuing. He's talking to Tom Hanks's character, but the camera is on him all the time. And if you go back and watch the film, you can see where this scene is. Yeah. And he's, he is getting like every emotion out and everything else. And traditionally, what they would do is they would bring in a body double yeah. to sit, so because they're just getting an out of focus thing here, yeah. while they're focusing. So the star him. doesn't have to stand right. there. Tom Hanks came in and did the whole scene with him like two or three times, and he like so he could give him the actual energy and reactions back to help him get a better role. Yeah, I mean the one thing that um, I, I I'm trying to do more in my life, and definitely you know, that bleeds over in a positive way to the table is to put the phone down, to put the distractions down, right? And so when something's happening, like maintaining the focus yeah. on the other people at the table, mm -hmm. right? Uh, when you're GMing, you don't have a lot of time to be like, oh, hey, so what are you guys doing over there? My phone checks back. But when you're playing and there's long combat rounds or someone else is doing an RP intensive thing, Right. It's easy to check out because that's what we do. Yeah. Right. Um, and whether it's live at a table and you pull your phone out or you're online and you're like, I'm just going to all tab over to my other window. I've got to get my wordle in today or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Um, it's like really um, like challenge yourself to say, like, no, I'm going to be really present. Yeah. That's the thing that makes the stage stuff work. Absolutely. When you are present and you're giving them focus. Yeah. Because then the whole audience is like. Why is everyone looking over there? What is that person doing? Why are yeah. they so interested? Now I want to be interested. Yeah, it, it's it's built into us because we are like you know, like community driven beings. Like we're herd animals, basically. Um, so like we instinctually are interested in things that other people in our community are interested in. So as everyone at the table is like really making that commitment to be present, like you were saying, it really does increase the immersion and everyone's interest in the game. And it's, 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 even if you're not streaming or any of that stuff, it is a, a, a trick that we use on stage, but it is built into our like lizard brains to mm -hmm. work that way. And you can use that at your table to increase the immersion, increase the kind of emotional experience and just kind of up how rich the game feels, um, as a player and as a GM and as anybody at the table. Yeah. There's a, maybe, I don't know. I love the emails that we get 
here. Like even, you know, and I say we, like it's my first time back in forever, but you you're, know, you're, I, we. you're part but, of the but it like even just listening, right. The, the community for happy jacks is so thoughtful and, and like, it's one of the things that, you know, when, when the discord kind of got reorged and a bunch more people came on, it was like, man, there's like so much good stuff. So many people with so much knowledge. Yeah. And like, like so many good stories yeah. and like interesting insights and even just like breakdowns of stuff where it's like, my, that would be like a whole hour if you came on and did it on a mic. Right. But you have gone through and like, you know, laid it out in our Discord channels. Uh, and it's just, it's so cool. So uh, for everybody who's like sending in emails and joining it on our Discord yeah. and everything, thank you so much because yeah. it is so good. We love you. And, and yeah, I mean, Happy Jacks is shows, but more than that, we're the community. Yeah. Like, like we started as shows and the community that has been built up because we started talking randomly and sending our voice into the, the voids of the internet. Like that's the most important part of Happy Jacks. And like my goal with like keeping it going was like, yeah, I like doing the shows. It's fun. Gave up a lot of space in my house, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but like, it's really like, I just couldn't imagine having that community go away. Mm -hmm. And if we ever did stop the shows or any, I'm not stopping the shows, no panic. But like, if we ever did, like, I would hope that we would be able to keep the, at least the community online going. Cause it's so helpful and supportive and for gaming and also just for being a, like when I have a bad day, I can go in like the venting channel and be like, God, I'm so upset about this at work today or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's like real people there. And like, we're like my real friends, even if I don't like see them all the time. But anyway, I love you all. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Um, and thank you so much, Mark, for doing that contest that is not sponsored or run by, by Golden Lasso Games. Um, so yeah, if you join the Discord at happyjacks.org slash Discord, um, there's a giveaway channel and like once you join, like you'll get tacos. Uh, like they'll explain how it works. Um, <laughs> the tacos are real. Okay. Uh, so thank you for joining us for season 30, episode 21 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. My name is Kimmy. My name is Bill. Thank you so much to our chat mod, James V, and all our amazing Patreons who keep us ad free and independent. You do an amazing, amazing thing for us. Um, we don't ever have to worry about playing games that are popular to get sponsorships or to like get viewer money or subs on Twitch or anything like that. You keep us able to play independent games and indie games that we love and just because we have you know we, we are passionate about them so thank you um and for our call to action please visit our youtube channel um and subscribe even if you've never planned to watch us on youtube because that bump in subscribers will make us more visible for a period of time to new people who will hopefully discover us it's called discoverability and it has to do with algorithms on the interwebs so yeah, it is uh, youtube.com slash happyjacksrpg. And tonight we are going to leave you with a song by the Poxy Boggards called Pub That We Call Home. And you can find more about the Poxy Boggards at poxyboggards.com. And that's Boggards with two Gs. All right. Thank you all. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Well, allow me to tell ye of a place dear to heart Of each sailor and soldier, both slovin' and smart Each face in that place is familiar and warm Where each traveler weary retreats from life's storm Tis this pub 
And suffering the chafing of my long-winded road Entombed in the womb of this free house in Bath Her walls provide shelter from my wife's wicked wrath Tis this pub that we call home And from her we oftentimes may roam But our respite will find in a pint Maybe nine in this pub that we call home Hours when life sours and I'm weary and beat To the hopping and coughing I need to retreat With a pale cup of ale and my good mate's concerns I'm rested yet weary to the battle return Tis this pub that we call home And from her we oft times may roam But our respite will find in a pint Maybe nine in this pub The raging of aging in my last breath I crave Please pull up the floorboards and dig me a grave As you rouse and carouse, pour an ale on the floor If you listen with care, you may hear me cry more More, more, more Tis this pub that we call home And from her we oft times stay wrong But our respite will find in a pint Maybe nine in this pub that we call home Tis this hub that we call home And from her we oft times may roam But our respite will find it a pint Maybe nine in this pub that we call home This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network the Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.